Beyond Sin 350. You're listening to Beyond Synth Radio. Let's do this. Coming up, Andy Last interviews the best artists in Synthwave. Beyond Synth is next. Hey there, welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. My name is Andy Last. I host the show. This is technically our 10th anniversary year. It's a little complicated because this is season 11 of Beyond Synth, and I started the show in 2013, but the first episode didn't air until August of 2013. So season one and two were sort of back-to-back, and that was back in the day when I only did about 15 episodes a year. Anyway, the point is, today I'm chatting with Starcadian. That's right, Starcadian makes amazing music. Uh, it's crazy that it's taken me this long to get him on the show, but we had an awesome talk, and hopefully you all enjoy the show, because... Uh, I, I definitely enjoyed chatting with him. And before we get to that, I just have a few quick things to run through. We'll listen to a song, and then we'll be chatting with Starcadian. So for all of you listening, I hope you're enjoying the the new Beyond Synth we've been doing this year. So I've changed the format a bit, so every week is a different kind of show. We've got the Marco and Andy Power Hour. We've got Trivia Time. We've got classic uh, Beyond Synth episodes like this one. We'll also be doing a Beyond Synth Roundtable, and there's a few other shows that are going to be in rotation. But so far, uh, from the comments, people seem to be enjoying it. They had fun with the uh, Marco and Andy Power Hour, and those we're going to be doing uh, more often. That being said, I do have some announcements to make right now because next week's Power Hour has already been recorded and I don't feel like inserting my voice into things. So I just have some Patreon updates. As you know, you can support uh, Beyond Synth on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash beyondsynth. We've got a whole bunch of new fun things for patrons. So if you've listened to the previous two episodes, uh, we're kind of going for a more Grand Theft Auto radio vibe with those ones. And so there's uh, commercial breaks and stuff. And if you uh, join the Patreon, we'll use your name in the silly commercials and stuff like that. And there's other things as well. So I would like to acknowledge uh, some new patrons. We got a new patron here, Cybersaurus. The $25 Club. Actually, that has now been renamed to the Game Changers, right? Is that what it's called? Hold on. It's now been renamed to... uh, now that's a game changer. A little homage to uh, Amishai, the actor who's in that amazing art grid commercial. So anyways, the point is, thank you so much, Cybersaurus, for donating to the show. You're a cool guy, and you are now on the list as all uh, $25 donors to take part in trivia time. And you'll be getting a, a private message on that. And uh, for all my other $25 donors who do not check their Patreon inboxes, uh, you also have invitations to come join us for for a taping of It's Trivia Time, where uh, three Beyond Synth patrons go head-to-head with uh, 
trivia questions that I write, and it's fun. We're about to record another one, I think, maybe this weekend or maybe next weekend. I mean, it won't air for like a month, but hey, man, that's the way it works. Anyways, Cybersaurus, thank you so much for donating to the show. And we also have new donors in the $5 Club, Mike and Trish. Mike and Trish, thank you so much for donating to the show. Wait, I know you. Wait, are you the Mike who uh, runs that place? That's you, right? (laughs) That's not vague at all, right? (laughs) Well, I don't like to give away too much personal information about people. You know, if they they donate and use an alias, maybe that's because they, they don't want me to say who they are. But thank you so much for supporting the show. And I would like to report that Cenotaph has upgraded his support. So thank you so much, Cenotaph. Hey, and look at this, Mr. Gimson, Mr. Gimson, has also upgraded his support. We got a double upgrade here. Maybe I should play a different sound. There you go, double upgrade. Mr. Gimson and Cenotaph, uh, both in the $10 Club. So thank you so much for your kindness. <laughs> And uh, what else? Oh, shit. And we also have some birthdays here. Okay, I apologize to you all. I'm going to run through these really quickly because uh, I know you're all here because you want to hear my chat with Starcadian, but I want to get these out so that not all of these birthdays are belated. It's time for Beyond Synth Birthdays. Now that's a game changer. So, uh, happy birthday, January 26th. This one's belated. (laughs) To Monkey Magics. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you, Monkey Magics. January 26th. I hope you had a lovely day. I'm technically recording this on the 27th, so I missed you by a day. But, um, well, maybe you can celebrate by playing GoldenEye because they just released it on the Xbox and the Nintendo Switch. You know I love GoldenEye. And then we got Mike Bailey on the 29th. So that's in a few days. Happy birthday to you, Mike Bailey. You're a cool guy. Happy birthday. And then a very happy birthday on January 31st to Mr. Stu M. Stu, triple the M. You are a cool guy, and I hope your birthday's good, and you go play Goldeneye. How about that? Have a happy birthday. And then on February the 2nd, we have a very happy birthday to River Avenue. That is right, River Avenue, River Ave. I hope you have a lovely birthday. Happy birthday. I know I see you in the Discord and stuff, so post a picture of the cake. You gonna get yourself a cake? And on February the 6th, the happy birthday to David Lavalley Jr. That's right. Happy birthday. You're all um, awesome Beyond Synth patrons. Thank you for supporting the show, and happy birthday to you all. And I uh, hope you have a lovely day. And that is all I have to say about that. Okay, let's get started with the show. We're going to listen to a track, and then when we come back, we will be chatting with Starcadian. So let's listen to this awesome song from uh, Starcadian's album Radio Galaxy. We're going to listen to Neon Head. And then once the song is finished, I will be chatting with Starcadian. So this is Neon Head by Starcadian.
going man good how's it going it's Happy going to be here great it's the best day of my life look at the same here i'm getting toasty and drunk so nice pretty good day good anyway the point is this starcadian a guest who i probably should have had on this show many 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 years ago because you've been making really awesome music for a really long time thank you that really aged me in like a matter of seconds yeah <laughs> <laughs> So sometimes there are just these artists that everyone just understands are great, that I think are great, that I also just sort of take for granted. Then I realize it like 10 years in like, oh my God, how the hell have I never had, you know, this person on the show or this person on the show? And you've been one of those artists who right off the bat were making such high quality music that I almost didn't trust it. (laughs) 
There's a few artists like this I've been I've been having on recently in the show that I have to basically admit, and it's a weird thing to admit that sometimes there were some producers that were too good, and I was like, I don't know about this. Something feels wrong or something <laughs> like, and that's why I didn't. I waited on having them on the show. It's a really stupid thing to say. No, no, I I fully get you. I, you know what it is? A lot of synthwave people come from the metal genre, you know, mm. and one of the big things that comes with metal genre is authenticity. And to me personally, if I find out this up and coming, like kind of a gutter punk, crazy, wild, whatever musician ends up actually being an ex A&R person and probably has like a house in San Diego and like, you know, a couple of cars. I'm just like, eh, that's not really, right. <laughs> that's not that edgy at all, actually. My point being, I get your trepidation. I mean, it's a it's a stupid thing because well, it's a human thing. You know, you you know, you like something you're like, why? <laughs> What's the catch? When people are so good again, this is weird. It's almost like I, I like creating work for myself, <laughs> but it's almost too easy to play the big songs from the big artists because, of course, they're going to be good. So in a weird way, I almost take the great artists for granted. And then my mission is like, oh, but I'm going to dig through like these kind of mediocre artists and try and find the hidden gems. And I'm going to, you know, search all over the place when I'm having a tough week trying to put together a playlist. It would be very easy to just be like, well, just throw on some Starcadian. He makes awesome music. It's always awesome. <laughs> but the weird part is because it's so easy, because the music you make is so good that I almost feel like I shouldn't. <laughs> I know this sounds so stupid. Well, honestly, it's a little bit. And I mean, I, I do appreciate all the kind words and all that, but I will admit that has been my design uh, intentionally to be like, if you, if you look at the videos, like Chinatown and Freak Night, both videos are about finding an underground club with a whole bunch of weirdos and freaks that are into the same stuff and they're having a whole lot of fun and it's like this crazy awesome thing going on that no one else knows about right and you just have to look for the signals you have to look for the symbols and you have to know where to go and that's it's almost like i designed from like the first album to be like that and not just be this exhausted annoying grating pump out two singles a month band camp leech right <laughs> so i i'm not thinking of anyone specific when i say that but i'm just like you know you you see something where you're just like oh my god can you like take those 10 bad songs keep them boil them and then come out with like one good song again no one specific but like it you just see the oversaturation and I think intentionally from the start that we're just like, no, 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 I'm going to be hard to find. I'm going to be, I'm going to make sure everything is like, people are going to be like, holy shit, why isn't this big enough? And the reason honestly is because I don't really have a team and I wanted it to keep it that way and keep it underground. That way I control the output. I control the quality of the output and I don't have to argue with people about release dates and being pressured to release something every six months when I know it's going to be shit if I do that. So I, it has to be two to three years or else it's not going to be awesome in my ears, you know? Right. Well, definitely the, the quality bar of your music is obvious, like from the get go. And like all of your albums are just sort of full of bangers. Like even you put out like a six track EP, like I was listening to Saturdays. I mean, when we were, when, I, when I'm prepping, I, I mean, obviously I have the songs that I already love that I want to play. I mean, like Love Top is a track I play all the fucking time. Like, but then I was like listening to Saturdays and really listening to all the songs, trying to pick ones to play on the show today. And uh, you're just one of those artists where it's really hard to do that. 
that because even like a six track EP and I just hit you know next track next track and I'm like these are all bangers like these are all pretty fucking great songs you know and so I just end up going I guess I like this one the best like I don't know like they're all awesome uh, I appreciate that because to get an album together I kill so many songs and I obsess even my biggest listener on Spotify hasn't listened to my songs as much as I have because you know I don't like my voice I don't like this I don't like that I don't like the mixing and I will scrutinize it and just obliterate it until I'm like okay this isn't embarrassing it can go out now <laughs> like way I've listened to my shit way more than anyone else and it's not a pleasant experience listening to it when you're trying to produce it. That's like the the least enjoyable part, I guess, of the music making. But the intention is hopefully that people will be like, oh, this is all really good stuff. And rather than be like, oh, here's a single, here's the banger, and then everything else just like filler just to get the Spotify algorithm. I'll be like, no, no, bear with me. Put it on beginning to end. Not only is there a story... It connects to the previous album and to the next album. There's meaning in the lyrics. And I've overthought every chord progression to the most obnoxious degree you can even imagine. <laughs> but it'll make for a good experience. So just chill out, have a drink, smoke some weed, listen to it, and just imagine what I'm trying to put down. And hopefully that works. I don't have any complaints. And at the end of the day, if I like it, that's what matters. <laughs> is that how you picture your audience just rolling around high listening to your tunes i actually the, the first album the way i judged it was i would listen to it in two different scenarios one is i'd go i go running every morning and i would go running if the music just makes me just drudge it's just not good enough it either pumps you up or like you get into it even a slow song you can run to a slow song if you're super into it mm. And then the second scenario would be if I went out drinking with my friends and come back tipsy, then I would put it on. The very non-scientific reason being your heart rate's different, you're under the influence, everything seems slower than it should be because you're a little bit drunk. And it's just getting a fresh mind on the BPM. Right. Just the progression. Some progressions, you know, you have a head full of songs from the bar back when there was such a thing as bars and people getting together mm. <laughs> and like you come back home and you're just like oh this piece of shit i haven't thought about all day because i rage quit around 7 p.m let me listen to it again and then it either gets you or it doesn't and you can kind of make a snap decision on the progress of the song i wonder if there is a scientific like which drug is the best to make music on or to assess your music i mean i used to fiddle with making shitty music things but like you know it wasn't good but it was often i don't get stoned anymore i'm, I'm not a cool guy i used to be real cool and now i'm just some old man with kids but i remember getting stoned would be a good way to like come up with weird creative ideas like i would be like i would like find weird instruments as i was like searching through the the thing like weird vst sounds and stuff that sounds cool and make some cool melodies but then I found if then I was stoned again, sometimes I would just get caught in like a dumb loop of like playing things that I had made. And instead of working on them or continuing the work, I would just sit there and listen like it's stuck in the loop of it. Yeah. And and so I wonder then if there is like a science to like, you know, maybe like marijuana is good to like kickstart the idea, but then you want to be on something else to assess the idea like in the future and you want to be in this state of mind and, you know. Well, I'm not much of a weed guy. I either get super hungry or I get really bad 
like I literally cave into my own brain. Oh yes, that's that's why I had to stop. Yeah, it it doesn't really do a lot for me. Like I'll have a gummy every now and then, but I'm talking like maybe I'll have a gummy or like rip a joint maybe three times a year maybe even mm. when i write the music i have to say i just do it stone cold sober because it's at the end of the day it's a craft right like i think a lot of people know my day job is like doing computer graphics visual effects and stuff like that and there's a lot of minutiae and stupid technical things you have to keep track of and it's exactly the same way with music like i could just you know i have an op1 i can just dick around with the op1 and come up with cool stuff but then it will be impossible to put it in a mastering chain so i have to be mindful of how i set up a song how i record certain things so i unfortunately or fortunately i am very much of sound mind when i record and write music but i do think that finding something uh when you review music doesn't hurt like being tipsy won't hurt i've never taken mushrooms but i've always wanted to i feel like that might be an interesting thing to review your own music too mm -hmm. i've heard good things about it i've heard terrible things about yeah. it um, <laughs> i can tell you some uh, terrible stories yeah but i mean you know the older you get the more um wizened is wizened a word wizened eh. Wizened or wizened? I feel like it's pronounced wizened, but then that sounds funny to me. It's it's written with a Z, right? Oh fuck me! Hold on. Are you looking it up? <laughs> you look yeah, it up. What, welcome to the Googling Things podcast, where we will say fuck all, yeah. and you'll just hear ASMR of us clicking. Uh, well, it says this on Wikipedia. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> so you are correct. It's called wizened. Awesome. But yeah. Well, how about this? We'll continue this thought, but I feel like we actually should listen to some music now before we get too carried away. So I want to go back in time. We're going to go to Sunset Blood from uh, Halloween 2013 when you put this one out. Yeah. And this album is just fucking fantastic start to finish. So I picked uh, Chinatown. I want to listen to the track Chinatown. So uh, let's do that. And then we'll uh, come back with uh, Starcadian.
And that was Chinatown by Starcadian. And I am here right now with Starcadian talking about weed gummies. Yeah, and <laughs> for two wizards. seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What do weed gummies feel like? In the beginning, it just, um, if you feel nothing for like an hour. What was I watching the other day? Oh, someone made me watch Ninja Scroll, which I hadn't watched ever. Mm. I'm not a huge fan of anime, purely because technically there's not enough frames sure. in the animation that that just pisses me off as an animator. And I started watching it, and then I was like, I'm not feeling anything. And then as soon as you move your head, it's like the, your brain takes an extra 10 seconds to rotate with your head. <laughs> and then you start noticing stuff, and then you just start noticing how little you understand of everything going on in the movie and it's pretty much like that until you fall asleep did the uh <laughs> did, did it provide some subconscious like extra frames of animation for you oh yeah there was definitely something interpolating <laughs> um also that movie incredibly fucked up actually iconoclasm who was on satellites in new sidonia made me watch it and i was just like all right um I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll i fucks with it i'll watch it <laughs> And I got super high almost immediately. And then all I remember is a guy made of rock almost raping a person. And then blood and viscera everywhere. And then some old people chaining someone. And then there's eight demons. And that's a bad time when you're high. That's such a bad time. I'm like, literally, at rape, I was just like, nope, no, no, nope, nope. I need to be away from this this movie. (laughs) Yeah, anime's a funny one. I've never been... Like, I'm fine with it, but I'm not... I know, obviously, there's people who just, like, love anime. Like, that's, like, a big part of their their deal. For me, I've never been... If the movie's cool, I'll think it's cool. I know when I was younger, it was novel, because, like, I have an older brother, so when he would, like, bring home uh, some kind of anime film and be like, oh, cool, because it had blood and stuff, right? Because all the other cartoons we saw didn't have blood and boobs and things. I remember watching this one called The Professional, or Golgo 13, and he's, like, this really awesome assassin. I remember, like, that was cool. Akira scared the shit out of me because I just found the imagery really upsetting. Yeah. Because I was young. So, like, at the end with, like, the weird mutant kid and, like, he's, like, fucking expanding and there's, like, tentacles and robot parts and stuff. It just really upset me. <laughs> I should probably revisit it because, I mean, obviously everyone loves it, but... Yeah, it's purely a financial decision that somehow turned into the identity. I can tell you firsthand, being a poor schmuck animator that just needs to pump out minutes and minutes of animation is not fun and you kind of have to cut corners so i get it as a kid i was just like but there's less of this movie i don't like this and it's a shame because now i'm kind of starting to appreciate it a little bit more uh however i did indulge in some pretty fucked up cartoons when i was a kid my mom when i was she would just put stuff on on vhs to keep me busy and uh one thing she used to put on all the time was fritz the cat (laughs) yeah and and coonskin (laughs) if y'all don't know what these are i mean they're unbelievable movies they're like politically explosive they're really really clever controversial as fuck and they sure as hell are not movies you should watch to anyone under 18 by a long shot there's like rabbits doing heroin there's like gangbangs there's racial tension there's all all the things you can imagine but I was just like, ah, bunny, bunny have needle. That's cool. No idea what's going on. <laughs> Ralph Bakshi's a funny guy. Yeah. He's a guy I appreciate more than I actually enjoy the movies. It, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I like the spirit that, like, you know, there's these big animation companies like Disney and things, and he's still, like, sort of pushing forward these, like, 
like adult visions, you know, in animation. And I think that there's part of that that I, I appreciate. But then whenever I watch the movies, there's something about them that doesn't resonate with me. And I didn't like his version of Spider-Man. I like the 1960s Spider-Man cartoon. Oh my God, he made a Spider-Man character. Well, you know, because like in, in the 60s, there's like the, the Spider-Man cartoon. And when we were kids, we used to think of it as just like, oh, that shitty old 1960s cartoon with a terrible animation. And, but really, the first season's actually pretty well animated for like a TV show. But when Ralph Bakshi takes over, and to be fair, they also cut the budget yeah. by like half or something something yep. and so once he takes over it was clear that that dude just doesn't like spider-man because like in- <laughs> instead of the villains being spider-man villains they're all of a sudden all these like nazi generals that are from mars and they're all these like people who have just green skin humanoids that like live underground and like oh my God. he reuses the swinging animation there's these sections where spider-man will swing for like five minutes just to waste time because of the the budget and you can actually see the cell deteriorating like the animation cell starts to deteriorate like over the season yeah i'm i'm reading this right now so seasons 2 and 3 produced by Ralph Bakshi welcome back to wikipedia yeah, yeah. on podcast <laughs> sometimes the rotoscope nature of his movies is a little distracting like sometimes you know when i'm watching like his lord of the rings or um yeah or fire and what is it it's ice and fire or whatever where it, fire it, and ice, yeah. yeah it just looks to me as i'm watching it like like, yeah, they just filmed a bunch of people and traced it. Like, that's what it feels like. Well, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, a new, there's a new movie on Shudder called uh, Spine of the Night that I kind of want to carve time out to sit down and watch because it's exactly that style. It's just like no shading, but complete rotomation around the characters. And honestly, I kind of like that, uh, but it's bad. It looks there's, there's a, a big part of it that looks bad, but it has a something you know what i find fascinating is especially his version of lord of the rings yeah the animation's fairly smooth and there's a lot of rotoscoping but then i find the actual designs of the characters to be really lacking yeah. any sort of imagination so it's like you've got all this anime like you're making a cartoon and yet you know aragorn is just like a guy with like a viking hat and a brown vest and stuff and it's like really like you have the power of animation here to do whatever you want and all the characters just look like traced people and they, they don't have like elaborate costumes or anything sort of even interesting that's a specific flaw of lord like that's my critique of lord of the rings in particular yeah, no, but if you have to paint every so, oh, of course, of course. You you can't like the designs will be basic as fuck for you to like even have a brain by the end of it. Oh yeah, and it's kind of like there's a saying in um, visual effects which I, it applies to everything. There's like the golden triangle. It's what we call it, which is it's a triangle with three corners: cheap, fast, and good. And because it's a triangle, uh, imagine you're a dot in the middle of that triangle. You can only get two of the three corners. You can only pick cheap and fast fast and good or cheap and good you can't have all three and that's kind of like where animation always finds itself struggling it's like this can be really good but it'll take a long time and it's not going to be cheap yes so that those are the struggles but going back to your point that's a really interesting point you you brought up about appreciating the fact that bakshi is there but not necessarily enjoying it and i've been thinking about that a lot my entire life how i gravitate obsessively to people like that so i'll find mike patton and i want to listen to the weirdest shit mike patton does you know oh he made a song with squirrels Uh, (laughs) like i'll I'll buy the album i will listen to it i won't love it 
But these are the things I want to find, you know, movies that other people are just like, that's not a movie. I don't know what the fuck that is. That's the stuff that I can ingest at this point. And it's not necessarily enjoyment all the time, but it's appreciating the fact that someone's making the effort to do something outside of the templates. That's huge to me. I think now it's even way more important because we are so like drowned in content. Yeah. Sometimes I just need to see a risk. And it doesn't mean it's going to pay off. It, I mean, it's the same in doing this show. I obviously listen to a lot of synthwave. I'm pretty much all I listen to is stuff in and around the synthwave scene. So I end up, you know, a lot of the music sort of sits in the middle of just like, yeah, this music's fine. You know, it's synthwave and it's fine. But I will always immediately, if someone sends me a track or I find somebody that has like a weird vocalist who I haven't heard doing something strange or an instrument choice I haven't heard or something, you know. That's obviously going to stand out to me immediately. doesn't mean I'm going to love it, but it's going to make me go, oh, cool. Like This isn't another artist who is using the same template for making tracks and using the same bass line and the same lead sound and all of this other stuff. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I love superhero movies. I love sci-fi and all of those things. And, you know, we're watching Marvel movies that are designed in a factory and they all kind of look the same and feel the same. And, and so I'm always hoping to be surprised, but then sometimes I don't do the work to necessarily find it you know it's always like maybe this next marvel movie will be surprising and it's just like no it won't <laughs> like and and it's sad like there's a few filmmakers out there right now that are doing some amazing stuff right small aside if you haven't seen everything everywhere all at once it's unbelievable by the time this interview airs i probably will have so we'll just say i liked it <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's to me, it's an even better matrix. That's like how high I would put it. It's unbelievable. But there's another, there's a pair of directors called Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. And they made, I think, some of the most unbelievable movies ever. It's a movie called Resolution and it's almost a sequel called Endless. And just the stuff that they talk about and they fuck with and the way they write it is just unbelievable. Very low budget, but one of the smartest movies ever made. We need art that just keeps stuff weird and new well listen speaking of awesome art i want to listen to another track i want to listen to love top this song is amazing so let's just listen to love top now uh by starcadian Oh, 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 
And that was Love Top by Starcadian. I listen to this song all the time, man. This is a fucking fantastic song. Thank you. The end. That's my... Do you know, do you know what it's about? <laughs> nope. <laughs> this was in 2011. A good friend of mine, uh, Jeff, he's an interesting guy. He was really excited about the new MacBook Pro at the time. Mm. And uh, it was like, oh, man, I lo- look at this thing. This looks so beautiful. Makes you want to fuck it. Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> and I just, I was giggling about that all day. And then I was just like, well, I can't make a song called Fucked Up on my first album. But it started as that, as like someone actually falling in love with their, lap- with their laptop. <laughs> then it just turned obviously into a more romantic song. But the origins of the song, yes, it's about a friend of mine wanting to fuck a laptop. I mean, jokingly. Oh, Jeff. What a wacky guy. <laughs> I understand his sentiment because I recently purchased one of these new MacBooks, which I had to literally sell almost everything I owned to afford. Yeah. And uh, I haven't fucked it yet. But uh, <laughs> you know what? Honestly, this is one of the first pieces of equipment where I just keep on telling people how happy I am with it. I always buy like kind of cheap to mid range things. And this is like the first time I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to get the good one. Like, you know, even though make the sacrifice. And uh, I, I'm really enjoying it. I, like, I keep on telling people, I'm like, hey, man, I'm really enjoying this laptop. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, no, you know what? That's happened to me with the uh, iPad Pro. I spent years trying to escape the Apple ecosystem just because, you know, yep. a lot of their aspects suck. <laughs> and I tried... Android for two years and it's just like because I tend to sketch a lot on my cell phone it just didn't work and I veered from MacBooks to uh, Microsoft Surface Books almost every single one has either had a failing touchscreen or an exploding battery. I, I shit you not. <laughs> so never buying another Surface laptop. And then eventually I just got an iPad Pro from 2020 and it's magical. Like I'm actually writing songs fully produced songs on this little tablet and on my downtime i can play alien isolation on it like what the fuck we're living in the future i'm not a fanboy, and i never have been of anything 
And so I know it kind of, you sound like an asshole when you're just like, say like, oh, but I like Mac. But I was saying this a few months ago on the show. I'm like, look, I'm 40 years old, man. I've been video editing for like 20 years. I've used PCs and Macs and all this stuff. And I just think Mac products just feel better. Like even when you when you compare like a, a MacBook laptop to like a high-end PC laptop, even the touchpad on MacBooks just... The way they register your touch just feels better. And I find the tablets as well. Like if I go to the store and I just sort of play with like an iPad and I play with like a, you know, like a Samsung tablet or whatever. I don't know what it is. I can't explain it. But the way it registers my touch just feels better. It's like quicker and more responsive. And if I find I do use an Android tablet to take notes and stuff and it's fine. But I mean, when it comes time to like actually touch the screen and slide apps around and stuff, it's just not the same. It's just not the same. I don't know if it's public knowledge, but I remember going to uh, like a computer graphics convention called SIGGRAPH many years ago, and it was like before the iPhone, so in the mid-2000s, and I met the guy who wrote the multi-touch touchscreen technology, or I guess he spearheaded the department. He couldn't have written the whole thing by himself, but... As far as I understand, these things are copyrighted pretty heavily, so no one can use the technology that Apple is using for the latency and the uh, multi-touch. So whatever uh, Android's doing, it's they're doing their own thing, which is just not as fast as Apple, apparently. Yeah, there's definitely something. Like, and I know it sounds stupid because any obviously there's always those people who are just like, you know, they, they get all upset when you talk about Apple stuff because they just want to hate it. And believe me, I want to hate it too. I don't like being tethered to this certain aspects of this. And I don't like the idea of spending as much money as I spent on this laptop. But at the end of the day, this just comes from the experience of, you know, 20 years of my life bouncing back and forth between systems. And like, because there was a moment about maybe like three or four years ago where I said, you know what, fuck it. Next thing, I'm just going to invest in a high-end PC. I'm going to switch to all Adobe products and I'm going to say goodbye to Mac forever. And then literally went the complete opposite direction. <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to stick with Mac. And then I bought everything Mac, like got a new phone, <laughs> you know, got a tablet. And-, and that's the thing. If you're Marvel versus DC or Apple versus BC, like bully for you. No one gives a shit because I'm not getting any younger and I need to pump out music. I need to do stuff that I think is cool. And if I'm going to sit there and install third-party audio drivers to my Windows machine because I can't use a microphone to record an interview, well, (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm not going to sit here and argue what you think is more efficient. Like, I just need to get my shit done. Priorities should not be brand allegiance. It should be like, is it a good product? Good. Done. At the end of the day, it's like they're tools. And it's always been weird to me when people... It's the same as the the video game, um, you know, when there used to be, like, the console fanboys and stuff. Like, to me, it was just, like, arguing about dogs versus cats. It's like, can't we just all agree that we like video games? Like, who the fuck cares what we're playing? Like, all the controllers are the same now. I mean, I own all the consoles. I can interchangeably switch from an Xbox to a PlayStation to a Nintendo. Like, all the buttons are in the same place. The triggers are in the same place. Yeah, but this is the bullshit that keeps the machine running, right? It's Kanye versus Drake. It's PC versus consoles. versus that it's the discourse with a capital d that's what it is and ultimately that's the product that everyone is selling creating and buying because you need your outrage youtube videos you need your you know with the with the thumbnail of the guy with an exploding brain like oh my god (laughs) like all that bullshit Uh, i mean that's what my song propaganda is about it's like 
we've forgotten about the actual content and i fucking hate using that word mm-hmm. but we've forgotten about the art itself and it's more about the discourse like that's the product what you who you get in an argument with on twitter that's the product and the service and it's sad to see people fall for it yeah and not that i haven't fallen for it i'm not that smart but like when you start realizing you're just like oh my god this is what's happening <laughs> and then you, you start becoming more moderate in your thinking and critical thinking and just trying not to get angry at everything yeah because there's there's been points in my life where i would get sort of like sucked into those stupid youtube wormholes and then i took a step back and realized oh like most of the fights that are taking place in the arguments they're like the extremes arguing with the extremes yeah. and then i would find myself getting upset about things and then i was like why am i upset about this reading stupid articles where people would like criticize something i liked and then i would get all upset like how dare this stupid person like say this dumb thing about this video game i love and then i just had to take a step back and be like wait who gives a fuck like what (laughs) this person doesn't matter and half the time you know with with the outrage machine of twitter and youtube and stuff where they'll find someone who literally doesn't have a following like they'll just find some idiot on twitter who just said a dumb thing and then look at what these idiots are saying but no one's listening to that person like you literally had to pick that out to then be mad about it to then make me mad about it and then i just had to like pull back completely because i'm like this is just unhealthy nonsense yeah to me it was we've reached like a weird kind of peak it's weird like being being (laughs) they're gonna study us in the future Mm. the 2010s was the most fucking wackadoo decade so far and i've lived through some wackadoo decades <laughs> this one's not doing too bad either but like the 10s were something else like just the beginning of the 2010s was the end of the music industry as we know it not because of the quality of the song but i do think blurred lines was the beginning of something big uh by robin thick it was this one year 2012 uh, where it was uh, Miley Cyrus, Wrecking Ball, and Robin Th- Robin Thicke, uh, Blurred Lines. Number one, that lawsuit that the Marvin Gaye estate had against Blurred Lines changed music legality forever because they won. So now anyone can sue anyone, even if their song is vaguely reminiscent of something. They sued over a fucking cowbell groove. Just think about that. It's so weird to me, like, because I don't have, like, some huge, like, musical encyclopedia in my head. I just sort of know what I like. and I, I do, and I'm telling you, that is fucking insane. <laughs> that, yeah, that one was weird to me, because even when... Because, you know, you can watch those YouTube videos where they're like, they stole this lick from so-and-so, and then you listen and you go, okay, you know, I hear it, I do hear it, like, that sounds very similar. And then when they do the Robin Thick one, I'm like... I don't even, I still don't even hear it. And like, I feel like it's like, you know, when they show that stupid picture of this, the dress blue or gold. Yeah. 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 That to me is like when, when people play those two things side by side, I feel so stupid because I still don't hear it. I don't hear what they're talking about. I'm telling you, I do grooves for a fucking living, man. And that is the most batshit crazy lawsuit that I've ever heard of. So that's the one thing that happened that year. And then the other thing was Miley Cyrus reached a peak where she just tried uh, shock tactics that weren't really that shocking. But at the time, it was just like, oh, my God, she's naked and she's crazy. She's like out of control, whatever. And it just reached this silly peak. And then she realized, and I think everyone realized that, like, there's really nowhere to go from here. <laughs> so she she pulled back and came back and never quite hit the same heights because she's just like a normal. She just resigned to being what she is, a good singer. 
and not do any of the shock tactics and bullshit. But then everyone else was kind of like left like aimless. And like, well, we don't really know where to go with with music and stuff after this. And it was a it was a really weird year, man. And that was a year I remember I went to South by Southwest and it was like if you've seen the movie Perfume. I think about the end of that movie quite a bit. Uh, mega spoilers. If you guys haven't seen it, you really should. Uh, but basically, this guy creates this perfume that makes him just whips people up in a frenzy and he can get them to do whatever he wants to do. He's basically become God by making the ultimate perfume. But then in the end, long story short, he pours the perfume on himself in a group of French 1700s peasants just eat him alive yeah they're like in a complete and utter frenzy they don't know what they're doing they're just overwhelmed with emotions and and just like swept up in the moment so they eat him alive and then it's like they forgot it and they just walk away in a daze like nothing happened and i feel like we're on this trajectory as western culture american culture really at this point we're like coming down from the frenzy that was the 2010s mm. and we're like slowly aimlessly kind of like we don't really know what to do with music we don't know what to do with the music industry movies so we're just gonna you know make cg explosions in space and superheroes i guess and just keep remaking trap music <laughs> it's listless it feels listless i'm not saying my music is the solution at all i don't know what the solution is i it's like this hunch i have of like i don't know where we're going with art I, I mean, I have thoughts, but like, I don't think there's a consciousness anymore that's shared by the masses as far as art goes. And maybe that's because of the internet. I don't know, but it's an interesting time. Well, I tell you what, I tell you where we're going. Yeah. We're going to Saturdays from September 2014. Just six solid bangers, man. So I just basically picked uh, a couple cool ones that I want to listen to. I want to listen to Ultra Love. Uh, I feel like a lot of the tracks I've picked of yours have the word love in the title. So uh, let's listen to this one because it's a cool track. This is Ultra Love by Starcadian.
And that was Starcadian with the track Ultra Love. I'm here with Starcadian talking about the uh, downfall of Western civilization. Yes. Uh, <laughs> bring, bring it down. We're done. <laughs> I do see people talk about this a lot, you know, that there was apparently uh, at one point a more of a shared culture. And now we're sort of all fractured in all of these different places. And so I think, yeah, when there was less things on TV, all of us sort of had more cultural like touchstones with each other now we're all in our own little worlds and you can literally watch like a whole thing like 10 seasons of a thing of a show that like literally no one's ever heard of and all these different music scenes and and things like that and it's interesting to see the the effect on people yeah no that that's actually a good point it it is the fact that everything is fractured and it's a good thing i mean hey if it wasn't fractured i wouldn't have had an audience right like the only reason i made it any kind of name for myself is because i had the tools to reach people through the internet without going through fucking labels and managers and all the people that i've been avoiding for my entire music career but yeah there's fiefdoms now there's no shared consciousness and it's good in a way that now there's no gatekeepers there's no 
Ahmed Erdogan, you know, who was signing all the rock bands in the 70s, to deem you worthy of being a puppet for the labels. And there's no, you know, Weinstein telling you how to cut your movie and, like, completely hijack your entire film and production and be an awful piece of shit at the same time. There's not really a lot of space for those people now, which is a net positive. But, yeah, I think we've lost... It sucks to say, but I think we've... <laughs> we kind of needed gatekeepers a little bit more. To what you're saying, the the Netflix example is that perfect thing where you see what happens when a company was just throwing money all over the place and yeah. they weren't operating... What's the word? Like a, a good gatekeeper because they're just saying they're just funding all of this stuff and then canceling things after a season when... I believe personally what they really should be doing is just like, let's just focus all of this money on like, you know, five or six must watch quality things. Like stop giving money to everybody. Cause like, you know, when you flip through Netflix, there's just a lot of shit. And like, sometimes you'll watch a show and be like, wow, this feels cheap. Yeah. Just like the camera work. And like, there's all this stuff that feels cheap. Occasionally there'll be like a cartoon that actually like, I, I started watching the first few episodes of arcane and I was like, uh, Oh, this is like a really good looking neat looking animation style right and then you'll have that and then you'll have these other things that sort of have that lower budget family guy kind of look right very animated digitally and very flat you know and obviously that's you know budgetary things and stuff but it definitely shows the way that they're spending their money on just like random things instead of being i guess like responsible about trying to raise the bar quality wise yeah i mean we're firmly obviously in the in the realm of we don't have art we have content and it's just slop for the piggies <laughs> and it's it's bad you know i copy that from the broadcast the the podcast i love to listen to but it's it's a trough it's an endless trough and it's just slop because they know robert downey jr's in it you're gonna watch it anyway so shut the fuck up like you're not gonna watch the fact that like the cgi is subpar hey you you talking shit about Doolittle? is that what this is <laughs> man i love that that's the first movie that came out after he was his contract was up i'm like at least you're embracing the fact that you're just cashing it in because i'm not i'm honestly not saying that sarcastically like you reach an age where you, you gotta you gotta get some money yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well his deal is amazing could you imagine getting paid all that money and literally like half of your shoot days are just you sitting in a chair doing all of the close-up face shots for when he's in the iron man suit oh i mean i'm telling you right now if you ever see me on like strictly come dancing or like <laughs> doing a cars for kid album i did this because like i wasn't a millionaire when making the real shit so <laughs> i i'm gonna date this and you guys can hold the receipt up and i'll be like i don't care yeah i still made money <laughs> sometimes people mistake they'll say selling out when they don't mean selling out yeah because to me it's very simple it's like selling out just means when you do something that is against your moral principles for money like that is true selling out. It's like if you totally believe, I believe in the environment and, uh, you know, I believe, you know, global warming is a problem and blah, blah, blah. And then someone gives you a million dollars and then you just do commercials for oil companies and shit and like film a commercial about how it's great that one of their ships fucking cracked a hole and just poured like billions of tons of oil in the ocean or whatever yeah. then that's selling out there's nothing even wrong with doing commercials or if you like the product like i would do commercial even if the product sucks like if i drink coke i would take a ton of money to do a coke commercial like even if i think that it's unhealthy i'd be like dude i drink it oh fucking they might as well give me millions of dollars if they're fucking eating away my stomach with acid like <laughs> i might as well get some money I mean, yeah 
Yeah, and you're right. I mean, look, if it's not morally reprehensible, what the fuck do you give a shit? Like, what do you give a shit if George Clooney made a Nescafe commercial <laughs> in Italy? You'll still have Batman and Robin, the high piece of art that he made just for you. You'll have that. It's fine. Dude, I just watched that last weekend again. You know what? I'm not going to die on that hill, but I will bring up the fact that I don't I don't like that movie, but I appreciate that movie. Well, see, here's what I was thinking. Okay, so it's obviously a horrible piece of shit, but it is really entertaining. Like, I forgot how fun it is to watch because, you know, we're so inundated now with CGI movies. When you watch that film, a lot of that is like they built those giant sets where there's fucking neon lights of every color coming from different directions. There's purple light over here, red light over here, sparklers going off and all this stuff. And it is actually like a practical, giant, gaudy, audacious, nonsense thing that they're filming. Exactly. I'm going to bring some hate mail. I apologize. But this is my stance. I like the two shitty Joel Schumacher Batman movies more than the Christopher Nolan movies by a fucking very long (laughs) shot. I'll I'll tell you why. I'm a grown-ass man. I've been through some hard shit in my life. I do not want to go to the movie theater and watch a movie that looks like Michael Mann where everything is super gritty and real. I'm done with gritty and realistic. It's fine. Theatrical is fine. Indiana Jones was theatrical. It still worked. Fucking even Citizen Kane was theatrical. We can be cinematic. It's not like a bad thing to be cinematic. I never liked the Christopher Nolan Batman movies because they're just ugly. Again, Batman Forever is gaudy. It's tacky. (laughs) But that's the fucking point. Like, the dude came in, you know, and I love the Tim Burton. I think the Tim Burton ones obviously are the best ones. Yes. The new one was pretty good too, but I grew up on the Tim Burton ones. But Schumacher came in and he was just like, I don't know, that stuff is really down and dark. Let me just make something like crazy and funny like the 60s TV show. I fuck with that. That's a thing to do, you know? It's a statement. <laughs> it is a thing well, to good do. statement, but it's a thing yeah. to do. <laughs> I think for me, like, I, I do like, I do like the first two Christopher Nolan ones. I mean, my favorite Batman movie is still Batman Returns. Like, that's always been my personal favorite. Yeah, same. I still think the Batman Returns costume is my favorite. I love just how sleek and stylized it is with like these sort of simple lines but it's it's a very elegant costume I get that it's not practical but like I just love the look of the big ears like the tall ears as well the the interesting thing I would say about Batman compared to like all the other superheroes we've had that that's the one franchise that's like most people's favorite superhero and you know the cinematic version of Batman has had a lot of actual directors with very specific and distinct visions yeah do you know what I mean like Batman has a lot of interesting looks you might not like the movie even even the the um you know the ones done by Zack Snyder like you might not like it but you can go oh shit like these have a certain style to them you know the the Tim Burton ones have a definite style the Joel Schumacher ones have a definite style the new one has a definite style so there is something to that which is kind of cool uh, the, the one the one knock I'll have on the new one is that it just feels like a little blend of all the other ones yes. minus Schumacher and again that's because you're playing in a gritty realistic, piss-colored sandbox. I'm like, can we just move on from this? (laughs) 
really like can we just li- at least give me one thing give me a gotham where we didn't fucking invent tungsten lighting yeah. and everything isn't yellow that's all i want <laughs> and then you can have your gritty three-hour bor- bororama but make it blue yeah. don't make it yellow <laughs> well listen i want to make uh I, I don't even have a segue here i want to move uh, to deep cuts because i want to listen to the track that i like you know what i like i like the new cydonia the alternate version yeah that's a cool song and uh i want to listen to that right now this is uh, this is New Cydonia, the alternate version by Starcadian.
And that was Starcadian with the track New Cydonia, the alternate version. And I am here right now with Starcadian. We're talking about Batman. And I think the new Batman movie was a very consistently good movie, but it didn't quite have some of the highs that some of the other films had. Because I personally like the first two Christopher Nolan ones. And I think that even though they've got these weird moments and some weird performances, then there will be like these like crowd pleasing like highs, like when like in Dark Knight where Batman fucking does the tow cable and flips the truck and then drives up the wall with the bike and shit like I remember like laughing in the theater just like well that was fucking crazy you know I feel like the new Batman movie if you asked me what my favorite scene was I don't think I could tell you but I just think the overall thing was like a well-made competent movie you know yeah I mean then that's kind of like that goes back to originality and this is why genres are a bad thing this is why making any kind of wave is a bad thing. This is why making a sequel is a bad thing because what you're doing as a creator and what you're needing as an audience is to get that high that you got the first time from that original piece of work. The moment you do it again and you can do it a thousand times better, it does not matter. The high will not be the same. That's why people go from like, I don't know, White Claw to Whiskey because it's <laughs> eh, like, it's at some point you're like, eh, this doesn't quite hit hard enough. If the high is what you're looking for, you're not going to get it by like, it's bigger and better. It's just not going to work. And any kind of uh, genre in music has the same kind of problem. And it's not a new thing. Like, remember hair metal? And I, I like hair metal. But hair metal was the trap of the 80s. Like, one guy made the sound. I guess Poison. Poison were like the Gucci Mane, right, of the 80s. They got the sound, or Birdman. And then everyone else just fucking ripped it off. And, of course, every iteration is like a degrading JPEG. Eventually, it's just bullshit. And then you end up with Cinderella. Um... <laughs> Or Travis Scott, but it's just pure filtered residue, you know? That's everything that ends with wave, that's what happens to it. And then it dies and it comes back in a different way. The simple solution to that, it's simple, but it's hard, is make something new. Buy things that are new, support things that are new, and you'll get more of those highs. Or else we're, we're just going to have to go straight from weed gummies to black tar heroin. No, we're going to watch like fucking Shia LaBeouf playing Batman and then he's going to have Joker <laughs> and everything's going to be piss colored. And I'm just going to have to go in a mental asylum. I'll be the Joker. I'll turn into the Joker because I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one thing that does actually bug me. There's things I think we still haven't seen, because I like Batman. I love the Batman animated series. That's like obviously one of my favorites of all time. Now that we've gotten another, we're going to be in this Batman universe for a while, and it looks like it's grounded again, which means, oh, fuck, are we just going to have another sequel with like another Joker? Like, I want to see some of the villains we haven't seen on the big screen. I want to see fucking Clayface. I love the Clayface one in the animated series. It was like T-1000. Like I, but you need, a, you need a wacky science fiction Batman universe to have Clayface exist, so... I think we need to go full comic book. I mean, honestly, now as I'm saying it out loud, I'm like, oh, I don't want to see that either. Just don't make a Batman movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was going to go somewhere with this, and then I was like, no, I don't want to see that shit either. Just make a divorce drama for like 10 years, then give us a Batman movie. Let us detox for a second. I mean, it is true. That, that detox is important. Like, I feel the same way with uh, video games, you know, where if I'm playing like an open world, like fantasy game, and then all of a sudden someone's like, oh, you know, like the new whatever, everyone was all excited about... Uh, uh, um, Elden Ring and I'm just like but I'm already playing an open world game right now like I need something in between like a first person shooter or a puzzle game or oh my god I'm literally I have a tab open 
reading about this fucking boss in Elden Ring that's killing me right now. <laughs> that's so funny you bring that up. So in 2019, right before the pandemic, I was back home. Someone was like, oh, you got to play this game called Sekiro. You got to play this game called Sekiro. I'm like, oh, oh fucking. Isn't that the company that makes really hard games? And... <laughs> I got it and like I'm not I don't like hard games like I'm at an age where I'm just like nah I want Skyrim on easy mode I just want to go dude I want to pick flowers and fuck it dude can I just say something right now you and I have never spoken before you literally just say it I say this every day on this show yeah. is every my example and people tell me play Elden Ring play fucking um, Dark Souls Dark Souls play fucking Bloodborne and I always say this exact phrase I like Skyrim because I like to just boot it up every three months I choose like I walk up to a person they give me a mission I press X and open up my map and then I see the dot I fast travel to it I collect the item and deliver it and like that satisfies me and that's why I've never touched any of those other games but you're about to tell me why I should yeah <laughs> so I, I'm the same way. I still am the same way. Like I bought Dying Light 2 and Elden Ring at the same time. And I, I just released Radio Galaxy. I'm like, I need a fucking breather. I need to sit down and like relax for a minute because I'm like doing all these other things that are coming soon with Starcadian. So I'm like, I, I need to fucking relax. So I boot up Dying Light 2. I liked the first Dying Light. For those that don't know it, it's an open world zombie game. It's amazing. Like you will, you do not believe the quality of the gameplay because it's a studio I'd never heard of before. Uh, where it takes place is really cool. It's a whole vibe. I love that fucking game. So I bought the sequel and Elden Ring at the same time. And within a day of playing both, I uninstalled Dying Light 2 for now. And I just tripled down on Elden Ring because I just discovered this like new, it's obviously not new to anyone else. It is to me. This genre called Souls-like that I actually got introduced to by Jedi Fallen Order. And I'm like, wait, so you're saying that I have to die again and again and again and lose coins and I will like this? <laughs> this smells like bullshit to me. And it was bullshit for a long time. And I'm like, why the, Why would people ever want to do this? No, I have to pay taxes. No. <laughs> but here's the thing. I was talking to a friend of mine as I was playing Fallen Order and Sekiro. And both equally hard. Sekiro's, some say it's the hardest game ever. Uh, I don't know. Kicked my ass. And I was like, I don't know, man. I don't really like these games. Like, they're just hard. And he's like, well, what would you call these games? I'm like, action games, like third person action games. I'm like, they're not. They're puzzle games. And that's kind of when it clicked for me. Oh, you're not actually like, you, you don't just stomp on the buttons. Like, you play, you're supposed to die, and you use that death to kind of read the patterns of the enemy. So it becomes more of like a dancing rhythm game. And then you get it, and you're like, oh, okay. So, like, slow and steady is how I'm supposed to play it. After a while, it kicks in, and I gotta say, I'm like, 40 I've been playing for 140 hours <laughs> Elden Ring I am 40% completed so I've done jack shit in 130 hours but man it's turned into a complete obsession like I love this game and it makes zero sense if you held a gun in my head I couldn't tell you what the story is I was like, oh, <laughs> guy and horse kill big shit. That's the story. Because everything else is so obtuse. Apparently, George R.R. R. Martin wrote it, but I could have fooled me. It's gorgeous. And the feeling, like the palpitations you get from killing a boss, like within an inch of your life. I don't know other games that can give you that if you're looking for that. So many people tell me this. So after a while, it's got to be like, well, obviously, 
there's a reason why people, whenever they play these fucking Demon Souls games and Bloodborne, once people get into it, I hear an earful about how, like, no, you don't get it, man. You like, once you play these games, there's nothing more satisfying and blah, blah. And enough people have told me that in my life where I'm like, all right, one of these days, man, I just feel Elden Ring is probably the one I will do just because I feel like the open world aspect might be a nice cushion for me to, like, sort of ease my way in. You know, if I'm, like, fighting a difficult person, I can be like, you know what, maybe I'll run away for a while and try again later or something, you know, like... Which is totally doable, but let me ask you this. Do you like Star Wars? Yes. I, I don't know. Uh, some people are, you know. Well, it's, it's funny just because you and I have never talked before. So, like, we're hitting on all the things that, like, we talk about a lot on the show. So, <laughs> this show, the Batman comes up quite a bit. Star Wars. There you go. Although, to be fair, like, after Last Jedi came out, it was, like, pretty much two years of me complaining about that film. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh man so don't start with Elden Ring don't start with Sekiro don't start with Bloodborne start with Jedi Fallen Order that, that's how I started because it's like it's a really fucking hard game but it's not as hard as these games that's the gateway drug that game does I think a more it's a better way to ease you in it it's more polished in its description of what you're supposed to do rather than be like oh you're gonna die a bunch of times and that's how we fill up your time (laughs) so it'll make sense and it's also a really fucking good game I would give that one a shot and then see like if you get the rhythm of that game then you should totally get Elden Ring alright man or you can raise your children and actually have a life like I don't know (laughs) I don't know (laughs) which one floats your boat the most well I'll tell you what floats my boat is listening to cool music alright I want to move ahead to Radio Galaxy there's a whole bunch of awesome songs on this I want to listen to Satellites so let's do it this is uh, this is Satellites by Starcadian
And that was Satellites by Starcadian. And I'm here right now with Starcadian talking about video games. You know what we should do? Let's actually talk about music for a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and by, by, I mean that, just a second. Because you mentioned that your albums have sort of like an ongoing theme and storyline. So what's that about? It's funny. So we wrote... Who's we? So me and my uh, sometimes co-director, Rob O'Neill. So we... we- Start. We did uh, Heart. We did Chinatown. We did uh, Freak Night. We sat down and we basically wrote a treatment and a full script for Sunset Blood way back in like 2011, 2012. And that was kind of like the basis of the mythology. And we've been like expounding on it and kind of like tweaking it in very concrete ideas and, and narratives and all that stuff. And that's been developing for a long time. And we were talking to some places for like making a series out of it or making a movie, all that stuff. And personally, I find it more interesting giving snippets of it through songs and lyrics and more importantly, music videos. And then once you see everything in order, you kind of like get the whole story or you could get parts of it initially i didn't just flat out tell the story more directly because i'm like well i don't want people to rip it off because it's really cool uh, and then eventually i was like uh, i actually like this new form of it's not new but like this this specific form of a narrative i like where it's the album's almost like a radio show and you have to kind of almost do like an arg to figure out how everything ties together rather than just be like this is movie good guy kill bad guy get girl goodbye like it's more those are my kind of films yeah. <laughs> that that and porn <laughs> well I don't have any of that any of the albums yet I don't know where we're gonna be in, in 10 years but I find it interesting okay so explain this to me then so this this Rob guy yes you described him as co-director yes do you see Starcadian as something other than just a music project oh yeah 100% the things that we've laid out are not just like who Starcadian is and like what happens and who the Star Traveler is, like how Freak Night ties in, like how Chinatown ties in, uh, where Radio Galaxy ends up. It's not just that, but it's also like we've done all the world building. It's just ideas that I've been fascinated since I was a kid and we've kind of almost fashioned them into an explanation for the unexplained in the cosmos in our in our world. So I mean I mean I don't want to sound pretentious or anything, but like <laughs> It's going to be really hard to not sound pretentious. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost like we use Starcadian as a way to make up our own theory of the cosmos and like what things are, uh, all the unexplainable things, what we think they are, and just work off that, basically. You know, you take something like H.P. Lovecraft and the idea of like cosmic indifference and these ancient beings and all that stuff and all this wild, wild uh, entities... And you kind of start working in that world and thinking of things in those terms and how you would explain dimensions and stuff like that. So these are the things that we've kind of like laid out and we're like, well, that's what we think Starcadian does. This is what we think he is in the world. And this is what happens in that world. And that's how we explain ghosts and dimensions and all this stuff. And it's it's cool. It's really it's really cool shit. And I think rather than do a cheap version of it, I would rather keep it in the form of albums until we get the right tools to make it visual in a feature or a TV series. But until then, I'm just kind of like drip feeding like ideas and concepts so no one else makes it before us. <laughs> so, th- so then where in this sort of fantastical sort of science fiction storyline does the guy have sex with his laptop? 
<laughs> By the way, we're gonna have to bleep out that guy's name because okay. uh, I don't want I don't want him to listen and be like, "God damn it, dude, that was a joke." Like, I know, but it's such a good joke. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna dub in. <laughs> how about this? Say say just a random name, and I'll take your voice, Jeff. <laughs> Just to be clear, I am going to do that. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> my my friend is actually called Jeff. And I, I also said his name, too, so I'll do one. Jeff. Perfect. There we go. Good. Perfect. <laughs> and then just cut this whole bit out so people are just confuse it. <laughs> <laughs> why, why are they saying that? It's so weird. What is happening? So you mentioned also that you uh, do computer graphics and, like, effects work and stuff. So is that, like, your primary job yeah yeah i do computer graphics supervision visual effects creative direction uh all sorts of stuff from movies to commercials to any other kind of stuff you know papa's gotta eat is that uh, satisfying (laughs) uh not in the least that's that's why i do music that's the thing this is why i've been kind of lucky to be an idiot savant i'm really not good at a lot of things in life but I was good enough at deciding how I want to divide up my adult time. And I told myself earlier, because I was like struggling, like, well, I, I love music, but I also like paying the bills. So I made early in my life the decision to do visual effects because it's still risky, but it's something that you can make money from. And I kind of enjoy it. And I will carbon offset any horrible sugar water that I sell with my commercials to make something good for the world and you know any and all funds that don't pay bills and rent and stuff like that like i all my extra money i pour into production of circadian uh, music videos and stuff like that and just try to bring some good in the world really so then the stuff you do like as far as effects work goes is it is it like a creative job or are you more of like a like a task manager kind of dude? I'm getting more into the managerial side, but I'm still firmly doing a lot of the visuals. Yeah. Once you get the taste for it, you know, it's slightly more satisfying than just kind of delegating stuff. And, you know, I still as much as I complain, I still enjoy doing some cool visuals every now and then. Do you apply some of that stuff to like the Starcadian music videos? A hundred percent. Okay. And the whole the whole thing with it was that I whatever I learn from the day job, I will basically make a video around it. I was the VFX supervisor for a movie in 2018, and I learned how to be on set in a big production and how not to mess with the crew's time and waste their time, how to not be intrusive, but also get all the information you need to, you know, replace someone's face, to add monsters, to do this, do that. And the first thing I did was I called up Rob. I'm like, let's make a music video for Freak Night. And he, God bless him, he set most of it up. And like, I showed up in LA, we shoot it. And then I did all the visual effects for it based on all the stuff that I just learned how to do with live action footage. Same thing at work, I was learning Unreal. And initially I wanted to do a music video for Neon Head. And that was all unreal, but that was going to be quite the bite to chew off. So I figured I'm going to do culture, which I have this cool idea of what to do with like archival footage. And then I will put in snippets of real time 3D uh, that I will mocap done in unreal and worked out good as for no problems. So yeah, eventually, if I learn more about Unreal, I might make a music video with that. And who knows, you know, yeah, where yeah, to yeah. go from there. But yeah, you kind of just like reroute. Like, look, to be to be fiercely independent in this 
day and age antistic by that you can't just be a musician that's just the reality of it now and it's not a sad thing it's not like a i know a lot of people get bummed out about it and they get demoralized and it's like oh i'm never gonna make it like well what the fuck is making it like i like to think i have a couple of people that like my music i've been around for a minute and like i keep the day job precisely because i am completely unfettered when it comes to my music I no one can tell me what to do. No one can force me to do what something I don't want to do and I'll release music when I know it's good and right. Yeah, will I be on Jimmy Fallon anytime soon? No. I don't give a <laughs> shit. Who gives a who wants to fucking be on Jimmy Fallon? Nobody. Like I've said this before to me more so than movies, more so than anything maybe except books. Music is the most direct and guttural art form because it's alchemy. Like you take little things, you take a little bit of Whitney Houston, you take a little bit of Slayer, you take a little bit of this, you take a little bit of that, and you make something new that did not exist before. If you're making something that did exist before, then you're not an alchemist. You're a fucking factory worker. Why <laughs> do you want to make neon? Uh, uh, I don't know neon pineapple eighty four five six whatever the fuck. Like sure, okay, you can, but you're literally you're making an off brand product you're not you're making off-brand content you're not making art all i ever desire from most people is some sort of self-awareness yes so i'm not ever going to chastise somebody for making art even if it is generic what's upsetting is people's attitudes like in the history of me doing this show there's one thing there's one rule that has pretty much remained constant the entire time the most talented artists are oftentimes the most humble they don't brag they don't push their music on me they're not like full of like self-promotion nonsense it's just sort of like they just make awesome music for the sake of it and that's it right whereas meanwhile i've had people just make fucking shitty music and just like pester me even when i when i started the show and then there's just people like sending me emails like every fucking day play my song play my song do this and that and it would always be for just music that wasn't great and then meanwhile there's these amazing artists who are just sort of just there you know just making awesome music not bothering anybody yeah well that's because we started conflating fame and infamy <laughs> right it's probably been happening since the beginning of time honestly but uh, like the whole new paradigm with kanye and all that bullshit is just fucking complain all the fucking time and that'll somehow speed up your ascent like no that's not the case and you're right like i think the people whose head is in the right space don't really give a shit because they're probably already bummed that they didn't you know make it by whatever age and at this point, they're just like, well, at least I could just make what I like. That's when it hits you. That's when, like, people start listening to your stuff because you've stopped giving a shit and you're actually making things that you think are good. And by doing that, you've made something passionately, which means you've probably made something good most times. And that's why people are listening. Not because you gave up, not because it came too late. It's because you actually started caring about the things you're doing. And it does sound cheesy, but that's what makes something stand out. Wanting to get famous fast isn't going to do it. That's not going to cut it. That's a nice sentiment, but like you eat enough shit in life, you learn to hedge your bets and worry about the things that you have control, which is what can I do well and what can I put care and love into? And hopefully people like it. If not, who cares? I'll still be doing it. Well, speaking of that, uh, why don't we listen to Love Beats? I don't know what is those, my segue there is. I guess speaking of love, <laughs> speaking of love, let's listen to Love Beats because uh, this is a cool song. This is Love Beats by Starkadian. Love Beats. 
And that was Love Beats by Starcadian. I'm here with Starcadian right now. I don't often take this big a chunks of talking time in between tracks, but I find it interesting, this conversation. I don't shut up easily. It's uh... <laughs> <laughs> Well, normally I like to take a break every seven minutes or so, and I feel like we're, like, we're, we're talking for like 20 minutes in between tracks. But uh, hey, man, it's all good. So have you messed with like the new Unreal, like number five? Not yet, no. I have a seven-year-old desktop at this nice. point. 
one. <laughs> I have like an old Lenovo. But you know what? It runs Elden Ring like Chef's Kiss. But I have not upgraded yet. So I haven't messed with Unreal 5. And I am i don't really do consoles because not that I give a shit about consoles versus PC. I don't want to talk about that. I don't care. What I do care about is the fact that I'm amazingly bad with joysticks. Like <laughs> I'm wired for mouse and keyboard. Sure. So I have I don't have a PS5 or plan to get a PS5. You know what's nice about them? They're quiet. Are they? Do you like the Switch? Uh, yeah, got a Switch. I just bought uh, Switch Sports. <laughs> I was playing that with oh, my kids. Yeah. The thing about the next gen, the current generation now that I love is that even though the consoles are gigantic now, like they're very they're very large. Yeah, they're all quiet because that was the thing that kind of annoyed me the previous generation. Like my PlayStation Four got to the point where it was it just sounded it was insane loud. What I love about the new generation, because I'm not really like a graphics like, I mean, I obviously I like nice graphics. I like smooth gameplay and all that stuff. Right. What I like more is that this console generation is focused on, since it has like the SSD drives or whatever, the, the fucking not SSD, MME or whatever like, so it's all about quicker loading time and quiet systems. And that to me is almost more important than graphics, than anything else. Like I love you know, the Xbox has this function where you can resume, like, it does, like, the save state of, like, your last, like, ten games you played where you just boot it up and you're just in the game again. Interesting. The PlayStation just does the last game you were playing, not, like, the last ten or whatever. To be fair, the Xbox one fucks up all the time. I, I do have a Switch. I bought a Switch. When did Breath of the Wild come out? Like, 2016? 2015? I mean, wasn't the year the Switch came out? Wasn't Breath of the Wild before Mario? Yeah, hold on. <laughs> 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 Join us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People Googling. <laughs> we shit. are yeah. bad nerds. Yeah. 2017. Okay. So I bought the Switch because at the time I was commuting. I'd rather get a Bola than get on the New York subway ever again now. Uh, <laughs> it is a horrible place now. But yes, yeah, so I got a Switch for commuting to work and I really got into it. I really liked uh, Breath of the Wild and I ended up giving it to my nephew who became absolutely obsessed with Breath of the Wild. He would like call me every weekend and like I would watch him play it and they were like oh what do I do here what do I do here what do I do here so last year I ended up just buying one again because he wanted to FaceTime me and play another game together so I ended up buying a second Switch (laughs) to watch him play with my Switch I kind of really like the Switch again I'm not really good with joypads but uh, there's a couple of things that I really enjoy on that system I've owned most of the consoles and I really think the Switch they did, like, despite its limitations, I've spent a lot of time playing the Switch. Like, they made a console that was just, it's nice, it's convenient. You know, obviously the graphics aren't as good as on my, you know, PlayStation Xbox, but it doesn't seem to matter. Yeah. Because the system itself is just, they did a good job. Because I also had the Wii U, and that thing was like a clunky piece of shit. Yeah, that wasn't as good. But yeah, no, like, I, I played, like, this game called Death's Door, and, like, me and my nephew, we, like, killed it in, like less than a week because it was just it played well you jumped the super mario party in like a matter of minutes quick start up metroid dread was pretty fun yes that surprised me that game because i remember when they first announced it sometimes i'm a pretty stereotypical nerd where like it's just where the fuck is metroid prime 4 and obviously they've never had metroid prime 4 other than a fucking jpeg image of the words metroid prime 4 that they (laughs) they showed 10 years ago (laughs) and i bitched about it then i can probably go back and listen to old episodes of me just going like they don't even have a fucking game (laughs) because they didn't show anything (laughs) from it other than that stupid jpeg logo so i've never played a metroid game before and i never had a nintendo console when i was as a kid i had like uh, atari st which is kind of like the the amiga like the pc versus mac back in the day was like 
Atari versus Amiga. Sure. And so it was all like computers, basically, with floppy disks and all that stuff. So this was my first Metroid, first like console, Nintendo console. It's a really good game. Uh, I never, I could never finish the game like the final boss is fucking ridiculous <laughs> i i needed to watch a youtube video because there was one of his patterns i was like what do they want me to fucking do like i just kept the rockets yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no I, I was like well no me and my nephew were like you know what fuck it let's just go to youtube and watch it and then just say we did it and yeah so we did. Well, like, we watched it like okay we're done we don't want to do that <laughs> but if you like that game then you might like Elden Ring. Yeah, I, I do really like the Metroid series and the 3D ones I really liked a lot, like on GameCube. Well, the first one especially, Metroid Prime. And so when this one was announced and I saw the trailer, I'm like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, where the fuck is Metroid Prime 4? Right. And so I was angry about it. And then, again, I played the demo and like after playing like just even the first level for like 20 minutes, it was just like actually maybe this game's really good and i fucking loved it yeah but then yeah i got stuck at the boss but there's no shame in watching a tutorial i mean some of my favorite video game experiences are when i just left my pride aside and was just like sometimes it's fun to just if it's a game you don't actually care about I remember when i was young and i was borrowing someone's xbox and I was playing a Halo game, and I don't give a fuck about Halo. And so I just just had a fucking strategy guide next to me. And I was like, you know what? I'll just fucking play. I forget which one. It was like Halo 3 or 4 or 12. I don't know. Yeah. And I had the strategy guide. So every time I got to a boss, I just fucking looked down. Okay, shoot his legs out. Then shoot a rocket at his back when he turns around. Sure. So I beat the game in a day. But I really enjoyed that day. Yeah. Like, I was like, I had fun with the game. I was just like, hey, that was a really enjoyable experience. I wasn't frustrated. You know, like, I just sort of worked my way through it. I got a Halo experience and walked away. So ever since then, I'm like, you know, if I have to fucking look at a tutorial, I don't give a shit. Oh, my God. I mean, you, you have to be, like, 15 years old to hold that against someone. Back in my day, in, in PC games, you could download trainers that just made you invincible. <laughs> because you know what? You just wanted to look at the fucking pretty pictures. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I just don't want to bash my head against the wall for like weeks. There was this one game I remember pl- I played Neo 2, uh, which is, again, one of those like super hard games. And I spent nine months on a boss. <laughs> like I, I didn't spend hours on it, but I was just like, nope, nope, we're fucking doing this. I will not play another game until I beat this boss. It took me like nine months. <laughs> On and off, obviously. I wasn't, like, there hours every day. Not, not going to do that again in my life. Yeah. That was... I'm happy he's dead, but that's it. That's it. Well, you sound like a pretty cool uncle, man. Yeah. Giving this kid a Nintendo Switch? What the hell is that? Oh, my God. So, there's this chain of supermarkets in the States that I'm doing a campaign for. It's a pretty big chain. And they have a bunch of commercials. And a bunch of memes were spawned from those commercials. So... I keep trying to make my nephew like watch like my new music videos and like listen to my stuff and all that and be like, yeah, listen to this little shithead because you're going to support me financially one day. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm, you know, I just want him to like look at the cool stuff. And he was he's into the Starcadian stuff. But then after a while, he was asking to see all the memes based on the supermarket commercials that I make. <laughs> I was like, you little schmuck. How dare you? Your uncle is Starcadian. You want to see the pee-pee-poo-poo memes on YouTube. Are you kidding me right now? So, you know, not not bitter at all about that. 
in case you're wondering. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about kids, man. They never, like, even my own kids, I was just thinking, like, oh, it'd be cool if, you know, like, they'll like some of the same things I like, but it just never quite goes the way. I mean, when my son was young, I was like, this would be cool. I'll get him started on playing video games. We had the Wii U at the time, and he was playing Mario and stuff, and I thought, wouldn't it be cool? He grows up to like games, and we can play games together. And he's on his computer all day, but he's playing, like, fucking, uh, it's, it's Fortnite, and it's uh, Roblox, and these things Oof. that I just have no connection with and so i never really play with him because i'm just he's just like oh see this thing in roblox i'm like this is shit like this is some fucking like he'll play a game where it's just like you got to dig holes and then you earn coins i'm like what i mean frankly that's a lot of my games is like digging and coins and flowers <laughs> i mean the witcher is like 80 percent picking up fucking herbs in the forest. <laughs> uh, so i'm not gonna hit on that but they are the kids are fucking mercurial, man. They're so like flaky and just like you you can never guess where they're gonna come from. Like when I was ten years old, when I was nine years old, my dad bought me a Fangoria magazine, and I was obsessed. <laughs> Your with Fangoria. Fucking parents are hilarious. <laughs> oh no, I, yeah, oh yeah, they didn't give a shit. Oh my god. Hey, uh... Hey, while you're watching Fritz the Cat, why don't you look at this fucking magazine yeah. of all this fucked up horror makeup? No, for real. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised they didn't just straight up give me heroin, honestly. <laughs> now that I'm saying this out loud, I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> Obviously, I became obsessed, like, sick obsessed with Fangoria. I would make my dad, like, travel, because I didn't... I grew up in, like, Greece, so it's not easy to get Fangoria in Greece. He would have to travel around the place to find copies of Fangoria for me, and... I was like, okay, well, my nephew now is like 11 years old, so it's about time someone corrupted him and kind of like showed him some <laughs> cool stuff that his parents are not going to show him. And I found out that my nephew is a complete fucking narc because I'd be like, hey, here's, hey, you want to see this, uh, this game is called Sniper Elite 3 and you can like headshot Nazis. And he's like, oh, that sounds inappropriate. What? <laughs> You're 11. How do you, you even know what inappropriate means? <laughs> what side are you on, kid? Yeah. <laughs> These are Nazis. Are you, are you a Nazi? <laughs> no, I was just like, he's like, no, no, no. I don't, I don't watch blood stuff. It's inappropriate. I'm like, what? You're 11. <laughs> like in his age, I was just like, man, I got to watch the craziest shit out there. Like, that's your instinct, right? Yeah, my because my son's 11, too. So, like, I'm trying to figure out now, like, what age I was when I watched certain movies. And I'm like, okay, like, I'm fairly certain I watched Terminator when I was 10. And, like, some of my favorite films I can't show him yet because I'm just like, I think 11's too young for Scarface and stuff. <laughs> but, you know, there's certain things where, like, I'll put him on. And it's funny because he's on the Internet all the time. Looking at all these memes, I know he sees things that are way above his age range from just, like, yeah. flipping around. But sometimes when I put on movies, he will react in a interesting way to them. Because I remember, like, we were, I was watching Predator one day. I thought, like, oh, you know, kids like to be scared a bit and see a movie that, that they're not supposed to see. Like, sometimes that's what interests them. Yeah. The thing when you have kids, like, they have the magical ability, because my, my wife likes watching, like, horror films and stuff. I don't really, but uh, she does. And guaranteed, you can have the door closed. It doesn't matter where your kids are. Right at the moment that someone just gets a knife stuck right through their head, your kid just walks in. <laughs> doesn't matter where. They, they literally teleport into the room. Yeah. 
And then I'm such a meta guy, like in the way that I think that because I, I guess like our parents and, you know, older generations never thought this way. But now we're so conscious of everything. So the second a kid sees something like I'm just like, well, we just fucking planted a traumatic memory. <laughs> you know, like I know you're going to be talking about this when you're an adult. And that's all I can think of, because like so many times my daughter's walked in the room right as my wife's just watching some fucking horrible scene in a movie. And like she just walks in at the, the exact moment, though, like the exact moment where it's almost like scripted that it happened that way Uh, but you know i think it's interesting i think kids these days are they're just built different frankly i think being born in a society where an ipad is a thing Mm -hmm. is a lot different Uh, like you said like being on the internet all the time like there was a fucking internet when i was a kid when i was like a teenager there was like a news there was news groups and netscape navigator and geocities Websites was not really the internet that we know now. Mm-hmm. We weren't as desensitized to not to violent and scary and bloody things, but more to like the amount of information and content that's out there. Yeah. And I think from a very early age, kids understand now that there's just a ton of shit out there. It's all fake. And there's really nothing to be scared of in a movie with a whole bunch of blood and monsters. It's just, they, they're just a lot more savvy when it comes to that stuff. See, I'm worried that it's less of a savvy and more of a desensitization to just everything. I feel like our brains are not meant for this much information. They're not. I think it's I think it's bad. Uh you're right. Honestly, I think it's a it's a mixture of both. Oh yes, yeah. I think that there's obviously like we were saying an obvious oversaturation in everything. And there's going to come a point where you're going to watch so much Pornhub that sex is not going to mean anything to you. You're going to listen to so much music that a new album won't mean jack shit to you. And you're going to watch so many Avengers movies that you're just going to stop going to the movies. And then maybe that's kind of like a scorched earth kind of tactic yeah. <laughs> where you just go, you just go back to just sitting with yourself for a minute, reading a fucking book and just kind of like resetting your stimuli, you know, your sensors. There's got to be some sort of like global health initiative where it's just like every Sunday the internet is off, like just something, you know what I mean? Like where, because I feel like we can't help ourselves. Like I can't help myself when there's snacks in the kitchen. Yeah, I mean, you're only human, yeah. Not that I necessarily want like huge government oversight on things, but I feel like sometimes now there's a point where we're getting inundated with too much stuff that I wish some of these things like social media platforms and other people just behaved way more responsibly and less evil and just acknowledge, hey, you know what? We're making people depressed. Maybe Facebook fucking shuts off after midnight. You know what I mean? Like just... I mean, but honestly, Facebook, all Facebook is doing is riling up boomers. (laughs) Zuckerberg isn't your fucking enemy. He's just a schmuck that's making a ton of money off a bunch of Karens that think that like, you know, the deep state is out to get them. Because yes, of course, of course it is. (laughs) Bill Gates specifically made a chip for you, Karen, yeah. in Minnesota, <laughs> because Bill Gates... He's in the factory, he's manually making each chip. Yeah, but specifically, he wants you in Minnesota, Karen, to know what you're up to. <laughs> not Putin, not Al-Qaeda, you. You're the target of the deep state, of course. That's how important you are. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I think, to me, the, the, the most insidious of all social media is Twitter. And yes, I don't know where we're going to be when this airs. If you had that social media platform, like if you were put in charge right now and you've got like, you know, a billion users and so much shit going on, I feel like if there was some easy solution, they would have done it. I feel like it's got to be really, really hard to quality control billions of things a day, you know, even for a computer. The thing is, like people 
humans just have bad base instincts. That's just how we're built because we're animals. And you put a monkey in a room full of bananas, you're just going to go ape shit. Oh, dude. I just discovered animal ASMR, and I saw this video of an orangutan eating, like, a bag of chips, and they have, like, a microphone next to him. Oh, God, that sounds disgusting. <laughs> no, dude, it's fucking amazing. It's hilarious. Like, the way he, like, he dumps the chips on his head. Like, like he pours I, what, the- what I like is uh, it's a Samoyed that gently eats, like, watermelons and shit. That I'll fuck with, but uh, monkeys scare me. I saw a rabbit eating a watermelon. It's a 12-minute video, and they got the microphone right up to its mouth, and it is the fucking funny. I watched, it's, like, 12 minutes. Of just and it looks up at the camera and like you see like the fucking watermelon juice like pouring down its face <laughs> yeah it's, it's, awesome. it's, it's i mean if that's what we're like watching just to come down from like a day <laughs> in the life that, that tells you something right <laughs> i'm watching videos of a kitten eating a sausage link and they got like the sausage link on this little black kitten's just sitting there like they're just eating the fucking it's amazing <laughs> that's the good side of the internet yes it definitely is I actually didn't indulge animal internet for the longest time I know that was a big joke and everyone's always like oh fucking everyone's watching kitten videos and I wasn't and I was watching all this stuff that was making me mad and then one day I'm like you know what fuck it I'm gonna go and look at kittens on Instagram and now I follow a bunch of cats and it really does make me happy and I really love animals who get along like interspecies things like I like videos where like you know like a dog and a cat are friends and like you know like the cat cuddles up with the dog and it's just like what if moments like that when i watch those things like it is very simple but it does make me feel really happy yeah i mean it's you know look at your parents right and like look at people of your parents age and to the younger people listening to this look at people 20 years older than you 30 years older than you and take notice of the type of art they're ingesting and it's probably going to be the most inane cotton candy vanilla milk toast bullshit there is why because i guarantee you guarantee you there's not a single fucking horror movie that's as scary as like the experience of life itself so you reach a certain (laughs) point yeah you want to watch some disposable water solvent like milk toast entertainment sometimes that's it you'd like no one over the age of like i don't know 40 something wants to listen to stuff that makes them angry and stressed and panicked and scared or whatever no they want to watch adam sandler farting on a horse that's (laughs) that's because that's as far as you want to go (laughs) the rest of your the rest of your day is like hereditary so you want to settle down with a little bit of adam sandler (laughs) now us weirdo ass musicians we just jump dive into like you know heavier stuff but you know that's because we have a mental illness called art yeah unfortunately well it's important to me to be inspired and i think that's the power of music and so for me i mean that's mostly what i what i do now is like i find myself watching less things getting into less stuff but obviously because of this show i'm constantly listening to music and stuff and for me it's like a selfish pursuit because i want it like i need music yeah listening to new exciting music is really awesome even though i love movies and tv and stuff like this there is nothing quite like the way music can give you energy and also act as inspiration and the reason why i gravitated towards the synthwave scene when i found out about it was just because it's very uh, evocative visually like i listen to synthwave and I picture scenes and I picture things and I just love that that feeling. Yeah, because Synthwave kind of came from a more cinematic kind of 
inspiration. Yeah, it tends a lot of it tends to be very soundtrack inspired. You know. Yeah, it makes me happy, just like a kitten eating a sausage, <laughs> just like uh, Fritz the cat and whatever. But look, how about this? Let's listen to one more song, and then we can wrap up, because you and I have been talking for a very long time, and you've probably got to go to bed. No, I got Elden Ring to play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking midnight. I just looked at the clock. Oh, no. Um, let's listen to Causality, because uh, this is a cool song, and uh, and then we'll be right back with Starcadian.
Right, and that was Starcadian with Causality, and I'm here right now. I've been chatting with Starcadian. We've been talking for a long time, but we can uh, we can wrap it up. Uh, we can wind down. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to talk about? Um, <laughs> I think you should start a YouTube channel with synthwave artists eating Cheetos, and that'll be like mukbang, but with synthwave people eating junk food in front of their dvd shelf with their collectibles in the background no yeah they're like all watching drive (laughs) they are all watching drive all watching drive they're eating their favorite like junk food and then you just put the microphone right up there and (laughs) the most that's the most nihilistic idea i can think of (laughs) that actually made me ill thinking about that yeah, I don't want to see people eat. Like, I, no, I, I don't want to see synthwave musicians eat. I don't want to see synthwave musicians. <laughs> I don't even like music. <laughs> I just do this for the chicks, man. Yes, the the plentiful yes. Uh, groupies of the early twenty first century. Yeah, this is what I always tell people. Like, you know, I just walk around. I tell people, like, you into synthwave, and then ladies just come flying out of the walls. Uh, they love it. But w- when it comes to ASMR videos, I'm not really into like the human ASMR. As I say, when I discovered the animal one, there is something different and more satisfying about it. Uh, As far as people are concerned, the only thing I really like is I've always loved the sound of pages turning. Whenever I would play video games, I always loved any game where there was like a book where you, you know, like every time you press the button, just like the, the turning of the page. And like, <laughs> I always loved that. Yeah. I have a couple of friends that do uh, audio sound effects for like Apple and stuff like that. And like the amount of iterations and revisions and feedback you get over like a sound, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's insane we well, yeah, like ui sounds can make or break a thing man like there is something about the magic of when they have it all down especially when you like buy a new console and there's like the background music that plays and then the little sounds of every little thing and and there is something about when it's all done well just how satisfying it makes the the navigating experience for sure i, I would love to i'd love to work on a video game i think i would my obsessive nature would lend itself to either doing the music for it or like doing like sound effects or it for something. And I think it's like very fertile ground of thinking stuff non-linearly, you know, like you have a song, you know, you got three to five minutes, beginning, middle, end, solo, whatever the fuck. In, I think in video game form, you have to think of it in like loops yeah, and actions and dynamicism. And that that's really interesting to me. The other thing I'm doing now is this is totally random, but I just wanted to talk about it, I guess, is I'm learning to appreciate metal music that I didn't appreciate when I was younger. Sure. I used to be a metalhead, obviously, why but still am i think at some point i decided that eh, guitar is just we're kind of driving it to the ground with like the same old stupid blues licks and the emo thing that was going on in the mid-2000s so i kind of just switched gears to electronic but i'm slowly starting to fall in love back with uh guitar-based music i'm slowly trying to find a way to kind of blend the two worlds together in like some new form of like space rock disco funk thing now would this be a starcadian project or a side oh no it would still be starcadian it would sound like starcadian but there would be like the added flair of either composing on a guitar or just adding a layer of guitars which i already do i already have a ton of guitars it's more like i'm now realizing that i enjoy writing songs that way which makes songs more dynamic than writing them on a piano you know sure but yeah not that it's a major influence or anything but i'm i'm learning to really appreciate pantera no. i never listened to pantera <laughs> when i was a kid ever 
uh, like I was super into Soundgarden, was a huge inspiration on Sarkadian. And yeah, no, someone was just like, hey, here's a here's a couple of videos on like Dimebag Daryl's uh, solos, and the dude's musicianship is unbelievable. Like the the little in jokes that he does within a solo as a musician, you're like, oh my god, that's really clever and funny. And yeah, their music is kind of cool. It's my new pet project is to like learn Dimebag Daryl solos. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm like slowly gravitating towards writing on the guitar more because like the little sonic tricks you can do with your fingers, like the little pitch bends, the little imperfections, the harmonics, all that stuff really takes you to different places. Like I wrote gutter on the guitar, right? And to me, writing that song was so satisfying. You can't really write that kind of thing on a piano just because it's a little more rigid. I'm sure someone can. I can't. I, I know there's pitch bends and stuff in the synth. I don't really use that when I write. If there's a fluidity, almost like watching a movie on 35 mil, when you listen to like an older song that's written with like analog instruments rather than like entirely on VSTs. There's a, and you know, I mean, I think I've talked about this before where I don't really listen to a lot of synthwave, if any at all, because there's a, it's so synthetic in the production that I can't really, it doesn't really do anything to me. Sure. All I can listen to is like the snare drums and stuff. Like the only one that I can think of that's not even really synthwave that I listen to for the longest time is Oliver, which pretty much every producer worth anything has listened to and obsessed over because Oliver's production is like the best there is. But other than that, like I'll, I'll, I'd rather listen to like Blondie or shit. Let me just pull up Spotify. I'll tell you what I've been listening to <laughs> other than Pantera. Yeah. Um, also, also when you're working on shitty commercials, you <laughs> metal does help quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the guy who did the Ghostbusters theme? Rob, Robert Parker Jr. Ray, yeah. Ray Parker Jr. Yeah. Ray, Ray Parker. Yeah. Sorry. Not Robert Parker. <laughs> <laughs> we know Robert Parker, uh, Ray Parker Jr. Yeah, he had a, a band called Radio that had a really, or an album called Radio. Really nice. Uh, Living Color, fucking awesome rock metal band from the 90s. A lot of Prince. The Foo Fighters made a metal album to come out at the same time as their uh, movie. It's actually a really good metal album. A ton of Elton John, old Elton John, like Bernie Taupin, 70s Elton John, Stevie Wonder, Paul McCartney, post Beatles. Uh, helicopters, great Swedish rock band. So yeah, it's it's all over the butthole surfers. Uh, Lucius, it's a whole bunch of random stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel Lanois, none, just like no synthwave that I can see. I started this show in in 2013, and you know, in recent years, the the weird thing I've noticed is just people who make synthwave now who are inspired by synthwave right whereas you know when it started you really heard the influences of like oh i get this artist really likes video game music you know this artist really likes you know 80s synth pop this artist likes prince this artist likes michael jackson you know like you get the sense that their influences actually came from the time whereas now there's a lot of people whose influences are like the midnight no you're right i mean no one listens to their you only listen to your peers to see like what they're doing so you don't do too much of the same thing or like just out of competition or whatever but yeah i think it's a very valid point you always listen to like a few generations before because that's that's kind of the quilt of music right you listen to what's been done before and how you could potentially advance it 
and add to it, right? Obviously, there's a reason why uh, a lot of us are nostalgic for these earlier decades of music because there was something different about it, right? There was thought put into the actual the songwriting and the. I mean, I love '80s music just because I love uh, melody, but I, I still love synth, and I like when synths sound like synths. What I mean by that is, you know, there's a lot of hits in the '90s, the things that reach the Billboard charts where they're using synthesizers but the synthesizers are playing cheesy like piano sounds oh my god i fucking hate those sounds yeah and it sucks it sucks balls so what i love is when i listen to 80s songs when they started bringing out you know synths in full force they're making sounds that only synthesizers can make big fat weird stringy bass lines and these fucking awesome sounding things you know and at the end of the day, the thing was you had to make a memorable hook. You had to make fucking cool melodies. People had to be able to sing because there was no fucking pitch bending their vocals and stuff. And there's all these things you could do and still have fun with vocal effects and stuff like this because I love it. Obviously, I love the way the vocals sound in your music because I love vocoders and talk boxes and all sorts of things. And like, I'll be fucking honest with you. I even liked autotune like when it came out. I know that it became a crutch, but like I like interesting cool vocal effects as as a tool yeah i mean basically these are all like you said these are all tools these are all garnishes right it's almost like a cake like you can put all the fondant and all the little flowers and all those stuff on top which will be like the sins the the autotune the drums the stereo imaging whatever but at the end of the day it's what you said it's the song is the song good if a song is written right it's written truthfully and like it's saying something then it's going to shine no matter the genre. And I think synth songs in the 80s were written because synths were new. People were inspired and people were writing to that sound. That's why it came out truthfully. And I think all genres could benefit Synthwave 2 from using new and exciting technologies to write in new and exciting ways. You know, so it's almost like one thing complements the the other rather than just be obsessed about vintage sounds because you're not going to find anything new or truthful with vintage sounds. You're only going to get you're going to feed the nostalgia monster for a little bit and that's it. But if you're truly looking to advance, you got to start looking in new places, you know? Yes, of course. I mean, for me, I love the palette of retro synth like just as a sound palette but i i'm personally not beholden to any specific things because obviously like i say when there's people who are sort of inspired by synthwave i feel like a lot of people are writing music with a lot of rules in mind and obviously that's not a great way to create art you know where they're just like well you know you have to have this particular sound of baseline because that's yeah that's the baseline you need you in this and this and granted if you like the sound fine like i love the sound of fucking poly six baseline i love that sound personally yeah but i wouldn't use it because that's what I feel like you have to do. It would be like, I want to use that thing because I like it. Here's something cool I can do with it. So I I do hear a lot of music now where I hear like sort of the same kind of chords and the same instruments playing those chords and stuff. And it does feel a little just uninspired. And yeah, man, people got to fucking shake it up. Everyone can tell uninspired. If, If there's one thing I would say to like new musicians is like people can sniff uninspired and unoriginal from a mile away and if people are complaining about like white people aren't listening to their stuff it's not because of gatekeepers it's because it's not inspiring that's that's it that's all it comes down to oh the cops are coming to get you dude new york is going crazy shit's getting real here we had like a thunder boom they called it two days ago where like i I woke up at six in the morning i thought 
it was like a nuclear bomb. Oh, like, yeah, oh, dude, that it. happened over here, too. Yeah, we had a storm a few months ago, and it was just this single, loud, <laughs> just crash. Yeah, like long and bassy, and you're like, what the fuck? This is it. Yeah. This is the day. <laughs> Yeah, it's such a weird thing, especially it's really off-putting, too, when it happens at fucking three in the morning. Yeah. It's also weirder when the rest of the family didn't hear it, so then I wake up and just hearing this sound like, are we dead? Yeah. Like, what the fuck just happened? Everyone else is just, like, sound asleep. I'm like, oh, fuck. Now I'm going to be, like, all stressed out in the middle of the night for no reason. I got to go do chores. Oh, no. I went straight to the kitchen. I got, like, a kitchen knife. I got all, like, ready. I was prepping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was I, I was on it. I got a jar of peanut butter. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I got my Elden Ring yeah. and my laptop. I'm good. <laughs> good to go. Well, look, man. Listen, we have been uh, talking for a very long time. I got to let you go. Oh, fine. But... <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's been it's been good talking, man. It was nice to meet you, and uh, you know you make uh, really awesome music. So keep doing that. Thank you. It was it was really fun to be here. It was great to connect, and uh, yeah, this was this was really fun. Got to do it again on the next album. Yeah, man. So where, so where should people go? Fucking starcadian.org. Uh, gov. Yeah. You should go. Yeah, go listen to my music. Go listen to Radio Galaxy. There might or there might not be vinyl coming soon. I don't know. We'll see. Supply chain issues, but that's in the works. Yeah, go to Bandcamp, buy my shit, go to Spotify, stream my shit, and go watch the videos. Well, people should definitely do that because obviously the music of of Starcadian is awesome and it gets Andy's seal of approval. Not that you need it. I'll take it. (laughs) All right, take care, dude. Thanks so much. All right, and that was my chat with Starcadian. I hope you all enjoyed the show. I'm assuming everyone uh, already knew who Starcadian was because his music is amazing, but uh, if you haven't, go check it out. They're really solid albums, and the music videos are really good as well. We didn't talk too much about them specifically, but uh, if you go to Starcadian's YouTube channel, like, really high production value, well-produced things... <laughs> All right, my brain is shutting off. Uh, listen, thank you so much for listening to the show. Tune in next time to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. And I hope you're all enjoying the new format of Beyond Synth. I'm having a lot more fun producing these episodes because every week is like a different show. So it's fun because every week is kind of different. And uh, producing the commercials and stuff like that is a lot of fun. So I hope you're all enjoying that as well. And I did start posting the shows to YouTube again. I know really only like 10 people ever listened when I put them on YouTube. But the reason I stopped was, this was like, you know, four or five years ago, the YouTube algorithm was just so strict about flagging music that half the things I posted just got blocked. And then it just wasn't worth it to post there anymore. But I think things have changed with the audio distribution systems now and the algorithm, and so they don't usually block things as much as they were at that period of time. So I'm going to uh, post the shows to YouTube again. And uh, that is for the benefit of two people, I think, who actually <laughs> who actually click on those links. But hey, whatever. It is what it is. Okay. Have a lovely week. Uh, keep on being cool. And keep tuned in to Beyond Synth for more uh, fun shows and cool music. And uh, I'm out of here. Beyond Synth Radio is produced by Andy Last. Check the show notes for more information on the musicians featured on the show. Beyond Synth is made possible by listeners like you. Consider supporting Beyond Synth at patreon.com slash beyondsynth. Thanks for listening.